Look, I want to do something breakthrough today. I want to do something that I don't feel like, well, I've never seen anyone do this before. Something that's a little bit um, out there. And I'm a millennial and they say millennials are entrepreneurial. And so big word, okay, that just means we like to do new stuff. And um, so tonight, my message title is a GIF. This, I, I tried to think of a message title for a little while. And um, if we can use GIFs in text messages and on message, Facebook Messenger and stuff, I thought my message title can be a GIF. So this GIF is my message title. Let's have a look. Who's seen this GIF before? Oh! The, uh, my favorite caption for this one is when you're journaling and God hits you with that sweet revelation. Oh, man, that's good. So um, if you're taking notes... You might need to get your shading um, pencils out so that you can really get some sort of accurate image. But if you need a message title, my message title is, oh, with 10 H's. I didn't tell, it's exactly 10, you can count it. I told, I didn't tell anyone that it was going to be, oh, but these guys, when that GIF came up, they're like, oh. So, that is my alternate message title, but I'd much rather you picture and remember the GIF, so... He's down the bottom there to give you a a little reminder. So, I think this gif embodies my reaction to a lot of things in life because I can be a little bit slow. I can be quite slow sometimes. (laughs) And um, I'm I'm just a focused guy, okay? Flip it back to its strength. I'm just really focused on what I'm doing. So, sometimes I miss things. And when I moved into my house at Partridge Street, it's an old Queenslander. The house before it, I was in a brick house. And just so that you know, this was the hangout pad. This was the place to be. When Levi got his um, driver's license, he would just come over and he wouldn't even tell us. It was just expected. Like there's just hangouts happening all the time. And people would just come and we would just have great times. Now this house at Partridge Street, it's an old Queenslander. Um, and so anyone who lives in one of those knows that they can get cold. Am I right? They can get so cold. And we, um, we all had like part-time jobs. We weren't that affluent. So we had one heater for this whole house. So we would generally stay together in the same room. Better together. And then whenever, when it was like dinner time, we would pick up this bar heater and take it into the kitchen, sit it in the kitchen, and then... Like, if someone was in there watching TV, it was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to move to the kitchen. And anyone who came over to my house in that period of time would know the heater. It cost us about $45 an hour in electricity. And because it was just one of those bar heaters that just radiates. And, you know, I'm not sure if I got any sort of diseases from that thing, but it was pretty powerful. And we, we, we needed it. Otherwise, we would freeze. Like, we, we would absolutely freeze. And then when it was time to move out, the rental department, whoever that, real estate. See, I'm just, sometimes I'm just like a bit slow. Anyway, the real estate agent comes around. They're like, we're just going to do a value of the house because it's been a couple of years now and, we're gonna, and the owners are going to sell it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So they're looking around the house and they're like, oh yeah, it must get cold in here. And I was like, yes, it gets very cold. And they're like looking at the different types of flooring. And they're like, you know, they really should have put this flooring here. It would have made it much warmer. They should have had insulation. It would have been much warmer. And they're like, oh, but you have, you have the bayonet gas heater connection here. Let's have a look at this. This is a 
this is what's called a bayonet gas heater connection. And, um, and I was like, we have what? We had what this whole time? Those things, like, I don't know if you've seen them before. I thought that was a door stopper. I thought it was the thing, you open the door and it just like stops the thing. But the whole time, we had about six of these. So we could have had a heater in every single room, natural gas powered. But as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, I done messed up. And my name ain't even A.A. Ron. And, uh, you know, when I saw those, you can take that off. It's embarrassing now. That was something when I saw it, I just thought, I just completely looked past it. I just thought, you know, what is that? That's useless. Like, what is that? And then when someone who knew what was going on came and told told me, they came and told me what it was. And suddenly I realized the purpose that it played. I want to show you guys a few things that maybe you didn't realize the purpose that these things played. Maybe you think that these are useless, but let's take a look at the first one. Who's seen a backpack like this? We've all seen trendy backpacks like this. These, these, were, these were like real popular as soon as I like finished school, showing my age. And um, that little diamond thing in the middle, I thought that was like a brand. I thought that was like, this is the brand, you know, this shows how cool you are. And then I started seeing it pop up on other backpacks and I was like, okay, it's obviously not the brand, but it, maybe it's just like some fashion thing. This is actually what you're supposed to use it for. You're supposed to tie stuff to it. Who didn't know that? Hands up. Who did not know that? Yes. It's like something that I thought, I thought that was just a useless piece of leather. But now I look at it and I'm like, wow, that actually has so much purpose. Uh, I want to show you a Tic Tac container. This is how you're supposed to give yourself a Tic Tac. Let's look at this. You pop the lid and then there's a little slot for it right there. It holds it for you. So you don't have to throw out heaps. Like, look at that. Here we go. Round two. Boom. Who, knew, who, who didn't know about that? Yes. Eclipse Mints needs to have lids like that. Every time I'm like, rattle, rattle, rattle. Like nothing's coming out. Tip it like half a degree and then 40 come out all, all at once. They just roll out. Eclipse needs to do that. Okay. The next thing is, uh, and I got Izzy Betts so good with this one. Um, the wings on, who, who, who here owns a MacBook? Okay, you guys, like we're all, we can all go and eat at Vapiano's because we're the rich ones. No, I'm just joking. The wings on a MacBook charger, <laughs> the wings on a charger of a MacBook are actually to do this. So you, you obviously, you might not realize, but you know, Pastor Sue, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have put that up there, rich people things, hey? Okay, now let's look at this next one. Who knows what this hole is for on the end? Put your hand up if you know why there's a hole there. Okay, wow. So this hole is there because people chew on their pens all the time. And so if they swallow it, it provides a way that you can continue to breathe and not choke. Like how amazing, like this little, this little thing. All of these things, when I found out, I was like, oh, man, you just got to you got you got to keep picturing that guy. And uh, I thought they were useless, hey. But turns out the purpose that they serve is actually quite useful. And it's funny, I think, um, to not realize 
things like that, and we all probably have had things like that happen, um, and you feel a little bit stupid, but mostly you feel enlightened. But I think it becomes a little bit different when it comes to the bigger things in life. For a long period of time last year, about 10 months, um, my wife, Hannah, didn't have a job, and that was a tough period of life. That was a tough time. Um, because we only had one income, we had a mortgage, etc. And money was just tight. And when I was in the middle of that season of life, I was thinking, why are we going through this? What is the point of this season? Why are we here? Like, God, you're the God of blessing. Like, come on, what's going to happen next? Like, like, this is, well, why? Who's ever been through a season like that? And we're, we're sitting in the middle of this season and it's really hard to see the end. And anyway, I remember when Hannah applied for this job that she was so excited about and, um, and she got the job and we were so excited and we were like crying and like snot rockets going everywhere. It was just like, it was so good. And now, now on the other side of that season, I look back at a season that I thought was useless and I actually go, you know what, without that, se- without that season, Hannah wouldn't have found a job that she says is her favorite job, the best job that she's ever had. And so I used to think in the middle of that season, why are we going through this? Why couldn't she just have a job, you know? But now on the other side of it, I'm like, man, if we, if that, if we didn't go through that, she never would have been looking and never would have been able to find that job that she loves so much. And maybe you felt the same way. Maybe you went through employ- unemployment and you hated it, but then you found the best job yet. Maybe you got frustrated and worn down while studying and you were asking why, but then you're so happy when you graduated and it led to maybe a great job or doing something that you love. Maybe you get frustrated doing menial tasks in a trade, but then you get certified and then you get to start taking on bigger jobs. Maybe you hated moving towns and school or schools and you thought it was the worst thing to ever happen to you and you just hated it and you were angry at everyone and you were annoyed and it just felt like the worst, most useless season of your life ever. But now you have amazing people in your life that you wouldn't trade for anything else. Maybe you went on a health blitz and you hated getting up early and you hated trying to bench press and you hated trying to get out and go for a run and you hated cutting out those foods that you love. But now you look back and you're actually so glad for that season because of the state of the health that you've got now. Maybe you went through a breakup and in that moment you thought you're like your life was falling apart and you wondered why the heck you were going through that season of life. But you feel like now you feel way better. You feel more like yourself. You feel like you're discovering who you are again. You feel like life, the opportunities are opening up. And I think too often we get caught up in thinking about how we feel in a certain season of life and we never realize what God is doing in and around us. Because I really feel like, and what I want you to take away from tonight is that God is in the business of working all things together for good. And things that you think, what, what, what am I doing here? Why am I in the middle of this season? And God is in the process, he's taking you to a destination that you might not be able to see, but it's far greater than where you are right now. And you might be struggling and you might be hurting and you might be wondering, why am I here and why did this happen to me? But I guarantee you the place that God's taking you to is much, much better. And God has been doing this forever. God has been redeeming people's purposes. God has been taking the things that we thought were useless and breathing life and purpose into them for forever. We thought the printing press was invented to mass print newspapers, but God used it to get His Word into the hands of billions. 
We thought that TV was invented for entertainment, but God has been using it to spread the gospel into prisons, into palaces, into countries that have the Bible banned. Like God is redeeming the purpose of those things. We thought the internet was invented for memes, but God is using the internet to connect people to the gospel, to connect people to those other people who can help them in their cause. And God loves to use anything and everything that the world might decide, I want to give it this purpose, but God is in the business of redeeming those purposes. Hey, God is in the business of redeeming people, redeeming things, taking things that we thought were useless and putting a purpose on it. And God wants to use you and I, regardless of where we've been. You thought that your tragedy was to bring you down, but God's going to use it through you to lift others up. You thought that your greatest mistakes were to count you out of anything important. But God is going to use it to show you how great His grace is for everyone else. You thought your heartache was to destroy your sense of worth. But God is going to use that void to fill you with a love that will never again be shaken. God can take what the devil and what others have meant for harm and turn the situation out for good. And, and I guarantee when you get to the other side, you might be hating it now, but you'll get to the other side. You'll see how all the pieces fit together and you'll just have that old moment. You'll just have that moment where you just stand back and like, I can't believe how this has ended up. And in this, I think about the story of Joseph. And, uh, you know, Joseph, in the middle of it, the season that he's going through, it seems like it just keeps getting worse. It seems like, how is he going to get through this? Like this would make a great TV show because there is emotional roller coaster, there is ups and downs, there is cliffhangers. You feel like there is hope, and then hope all hope gets lost. And um, unfortunately, I can't like read it to you guys. It's Genesis thirty-seven to fifty, and I'm pretty sure that my time would be up if I tried to read fourteen chapters of scripture to you today. But you know, I think about episode one. Episode one would be like introducing all the characters in the story and we find Joseph and he's in a he's in a great family and he's got so many brothers and sisters around him but then we discover that actually 11 of them are his half brothers and his dad actually likes Joseph the most and he gives him this this coat he gives him this I don't know if you've heard the story he gives him this Gucci coat it's like awesome he's like rocking it and uh he's telling everyone how much he loves this coat and uh and you know, it talks about how he's special. And, and so we fall in love with this main character and, we, and it talks about the dreams that he has. And he has this dream that God gives him this dream about where he's going to end up. And, and he doesn't quite understand it, but we begin to, we begin to become attached to Joseph. And then, and then episode two comes around and, and Joseph's brothers don't like him because he's special. Who's got siblings like that? Eh? Like if you get you, tall poppy syndrome, it's just like if you get anything, like if you get one ounce one crumb more of chocolate chip cookie than the others. It's like, why is he getting special treatment? And uh, Joseph's brothers were exactly like that. And so they were just like, I don't know, like, I've never gone to this extreme, but they were like, he's being treated unfairly. We should kill him. But then one of the brothers is like, oh, let's not kill him. Let's at least get some money for him. And they sell him. They sell him into slavery. So the story starts out good and starts to go downhill. You get to episode three and we're looking at where he was sold into slavery. But now, you know, he's a slave for this pretty wealthy guy. He's in charge of a lot of things. But then all of a sudden, cliffhanger at the end of the episode, this wealthy guy, his wife 
is like, you should, uh, you should come have sex with me. He literally says it like that. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And then she accuses him of rape and gets him sent to prison. So we've gone down, then we've come back up a little bit. And then we've gone back down and the roller coaster's riding and, and, and he's in prison. And then there's these two guys in prison and they have these wild dreams. And Joseph's like, I had a dream once. Let, tell me your dream. And, and, and he, they tell him his, the dreams that they had and, and, uh, and he's, he's like, oh, this is what I reckon the dream means. And, and the Bible says that God gave him the interpretation for the dream. And, and this, for one of the guys, the dream was that you're going to be released from prison. And so he's like, hey, when you get out of prison, can you tell Pharaoh about me so that I can get out of prison? And this guy gets out of prison, but then he forgets about Joseph and leaves Joseph in prison for two years. So like, man, it's just going, he's got this glimmer of hope. He's gone up and then he's gone back down. But then two years later, Pharaoh, he has this wild dream. And then the guy's like, you know what? I know a guy who can interpret dreams. Let's get him. And then so they go pull Joseph out of prison. And finally, we find that he is in the courts with Pharaoh. And the dream is fulfilled. The dream that he had right at the beginning, where he was going to be able to serve a nation, becomes fulfilled. Pharaoh puts him in charge of a famine that is coming up. They're going to have, basically the dream went something along the lines of, there's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. So during those seven years of abundance, like you better store up grain, you better keep stuff so that when the famine comes, we'll be able to care for everyone. And so that's what Joseph does. And so, you know, I guess two, two years into the famine. So we're talking seven years later, just from the point where the dream was fulfilled. And the dream is continually being fulfilled every day that he's doing it. And then his brothers show up and, uh, This is where we're going to pick up the story. I find it really interesting what Joseph says to his brothers. I find it really interesting that he went through so much because his brothers threw him in a pit. I find it really interesting that these are the guys that set his life on a trajectory that he was probably hating every moment. I find it really interesting the way that he talks to them and the response that he has now that he's got the full picture in mind. And I think it's important that we realize you know, we might talk one way in the situation, but then when we get to the end of it, our language can completely change. And so let's look. This is episode six. <laughs> Genesis chapter 45, verse four to seven. So Joseph said to them, come close to me. Jeez, they're about to get a whopping. Come close to me. And when the brothers came close to them, he said, I am your brother Joseph, because they didn't realize it was him, because he was speaking Egyptian. He wasn't speaking their original language. I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold as a slave to go to Egypt. Now, don't be worried or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. In fact, God sent me here ahead of you to save people's lives. No food has grown in the land for two years now, and there'll be five more years without planting or harvest. So God sent me here ahead of you to make sure that you have some descendants left on the earth and to keep you alive in an amazing way. And I I think if I was one of the brothers, I'd be like, so you like, you ain't mad? Like, like we're cool. And he's like, no, 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 we're cool. Like, like God sent me here. Like you might've thought that you were, that you were killing me. You might've thought that you were destroying my life, but actually God was using it to fulfill his plan all along. Genesis 45 verse eight. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. God has made me the highest officer of the king of Egypt. And I'm in charge of this palace and I'm the master of all the land of Egypt. And then so Joseph said to them, this is so good. Don't be afraid. Can I do only what God can do? You meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good 
to save the lives of many people, which is being done. How awesome is that? God turned your evil into good. And I reckon if Joseph would elaborate, he'd say something like, hey, God took me on a season that seemed like a wasted season and he showed me how regardless of the speed bumps on the journey, I still ended up where he planned for me to be all along. That dream that I had at the beginning, it didn't change. God's plan for me, it didn't change. And regardless of the detours, I still made it here. And now having the hindsight, I feel like Joseph looks back and he realizes what was happening. And I think for all of us, maybe in the middle of a season that we would consider useless, when we get to the end of it, you'll look back and you'll realize actually how much purpose God was trying to unfold in your life. And so first off, I I just got to say, when God's plan for your life is fulfilled, then maybe that's the first and only time that you'll be able to see purpose in the process. And I wonder what Joseph was thinking throughout this whole ordeal. You know, God, I had this dream. Maybe when those two guys left prison and he was sitting in there for another two years, like, I had this dream. God, you promised me big things. God, this wasn't what was supposed to happen. This is not what I was promised. This is not how the story was meant to play out. And he had so many ups and downs. And I'm sure he would have questioned where he was where his destiny was, if his dream was ever real. I don't know if you've ever said that. I don't know if you've ever been in the middle of a season and you just don't get it and you can't see why. And I remember when I moved back to Toowoomba from Sydney and, and when my parents divorced, uh, I, I moved to Sydney and, and, then, and I didn't really feel like I fit in and I felt like my future was getting stalled. And I was like, you know what? I know people in Toowoomba. I know where I'm going with my life. I can finish school. So I was like, I'm going to move back to Toowoomba. And, uh, and so I came back to Toowoomba and my parents were divorced and, and my dad was going through a season of depression that I'm only just starting to really grasp and understand what he really was going through. And he, so he, he was jobless and looking for money, re- rented out my sister's bedroom to some people who were a little bit shady, I'd say. And, um, and I remember a number of times waking up in the middle of the night to the sound of these people that I didn't know having sex in my sister's bedroom with I don't know who, and I'd never met them before, and when they left, I don't think I ever saw them again. And I used to sit in that season and think to myself, what am I doing here? I had stuff stolen out of my room, things that I bought. I ended up putting a lock on my door. And I was like, what? why am I here? Why did I even come back to Toowoomba? What am I doing? And in the middle of the season, I, 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 I kind of hated it. And, and I didn't know that five years down the track, I would become a youth pastor. I didn't know the reason that I was here in Toowoomba was that I would end up locking back into New Hope, that I would end up continuing to take steps towards Jesus, things that I wouldn't have done in Sydney. I, wouldn't, I didn't realize that the reason that I was here in, this, in the middle of this season that I hated was actually getting into a life group and growing and ultimately eventually being asked to become a youth pastor, which I would say is the fulfillment of God's purpose of my life for this season. And I've got to say, only now that the plan is fulfilled, can I see the purpose in the process. And it was painful and there were times of questioning, but I see now that I was in the right position all along. And if you would have told me that there's purpose in where I was right now, I don't know if I would have seen it. And so I want to ask you today, what process are you in the middle of right now? What position do you find yourself in right now? Maybe God's plan is not yet fulfilled in your life. Maybe you've been spoken prophecy over. Maybe you know there's something better in your life, but you're just not seeing it right now. I feel like there's a lot of people here in the middle of process. 
and it's hard to see how your position has purpose. And you hear stories about how God wants to do some good stuff in your life, but you find it so hard to believe. Maybe you're unable to find a job. And that's really hard because you're unable to live with any sort of financial strength. Maybe you're in a terrible job and you're being taken advantage of, being used, being unappreciated. Maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship and you just got more negative emotion than positive. Maybe there's so much drama and chaos in your life, in your home life, but you just don't have any other options. Maybe you're dealing with the loss of someone that was so close to you and it's the hardest thing ever and you don't know how you're going to get through. We've all been through situations like this before and it's so, so easy to question the process when we're in the middle of it. And um, so my encouragement to us tonight, I just think about what I would have said to Joseph. What would have you said to Joseph right in the middle of episode five when he'd lost everything in his life so far? He lost his father that loved him so much. He'd lost all his brothers. The two guys that he thought might give him a glimpse of hope to get out of prison, he lost them. They hadn't thought about him. He'd lost it all. And uh, to me, that looks being in prison looks like the furthest away from being second in charge to the Pharaoh. And so what would you say to Joseph in that situation? And I really want to encourage us to say that, I guess, to ourselves tonight. If I was in the situation with him at the time, I don't know. But I know how it ends because I've got the hindsight now. And uh, you might not ha- have hindsight for your situation because you're right in the middle of it. But we have a God who knows the end from the beginning. And for anyone who's up to their neck in a painful situation, for anyone who can't see the end of where you are right now, you, gotta, you, you just got to know what I'd say to Joseph. And, I, you know, I'd tell him, you got to keep holding on. You got to keep pushing. God's not done with you yet. You're going to make it. You have no idea how close you are. You feel like you're at the worst, but in a moment you can take it straight to the top. You have no idea how close you are. You have a purpose to fulfill. You've got more ground to take. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You might feel like you've lost everything, but that's all about to change. And as Joseph looks back on his time later on, God's plan is finally fulfilled and he can begin to see the purpose in the process. His hindsight tells a different story to that which he would have penned when he was in the prison cell. Genesis 45 verse 5, this is what he says. Don't be worried or angry with yourselves because you sold me out here. God sent me here ahead of you to save people's lives. Not only does it not hurt for Joseph, but he sees it as a critical part of his journey. And I don't know, maybe you can't, maybe you look at the situation you're in right now and you can't see how that's a critical part of your journey and where you're going. But just trust me, if God knows the end from the beginning and and God knows your destination and He knows where He wants to take you and if He can make all things work for good, for the glory of those who love Him, then, man, you've got a hope. You've got a place that you're going. You might feel like there's no purpose where you are. You might be so frustrated with the position that you're in, but there is purpose in the process. You thought it was over when your closest friends or family abandoned you. You know what I'd say to Joseph? God's going to bring those people straight back. He's going to bring those people back into your life. You thought it was over when you were misunderstood, wrongly accused. 
man, God is actually in the process. He's moving you away from toxic people and towards people who are going to be instrumental towards your future. You thought the prison was your final resting place, but it was actually the linking element to your future. For everyone who is in the middle of process today and you don't understand it and you're struggling with seeing the destination, your moment is coming. But in the meantime, my encouragement to you is don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged by the detours. Don't throw the towel in when all seems lost. Remember your God who knits it all together. And remember that He knows the beginning from the end. And so some questions to help you apply this this week. Number one, can you let go of the steering wheel? I wonder if Joseph felt like he could take himself out of this position. But in the end, it just came down to trusting God that he would make it through. So can you let go of the steering wheel of your life and trust that God's going to take you where you need to go? Can you go with where the current of where God is taking you? You might not understand where you're going, but just understanding that God can breathe purpose into your life should be enough for you to go, you know what, I'm going to trust God through this. Can you still pray and believe that God will restore to you what was lost. I love that at the end of the story, Joseph is reunited with his family. He's reunited with his father. Some of us feel like it's all over because we've lost so much, but can you still pray and believe that God will restore that to you? And I think the two hardest questions of all, the way that Joseph responded to his brothers, man, when you're faced with your past, can you appreciate the process? in the middle of the process right now, can you appreciate that you're going somewhere? And when faced with the people that you thought oppressed you, can you release them from judgment like Joseph did? That is so, so important. If we want to find ourselves in a place of purpose where God is using us, we need to be willing to trust the process. We need to be willing to be okay with where we are right now. And and I'm not saying okay with it in terms of, you know, I'm just going to sit here and stay here. But just knowing that, you know, the devil might be trying to use this to knock me down. But I know that what others have intended for harm, God is going to use for good. I want to pray for us tonight, for anyone who feels like they're in the middle of a process that they don't understand, for anyone who feels like there's frustration beyond belief, for anyone who feels like they can't see the end. You're stuck in the middle of the ocean and you just can't see past the horizon. It just looks like water all around you. Maybe you're stuck in the middle of a situation where you feel like there's no options. I want to pray for you tonight. Can we all just close our eyes? I want us to have a little bit of self-diagnosis right now, a little bit of a self-look. Maybe you just want your hope to be restored. Maybe you feel like you've talked to that guy who was going to get you out of prison and tell Pharaoh all about you. Maybe you feel like you had one opportunity, one moment, and then it seems like it's all been lost. You seem like you've been forgotten. Maybe the people that you loved the most abandoned you and left you behind and you've got no idea where this is going. Maybe you had a dream 14 years ago and you just haven't seen it fulfilled yet. Man, if that's you, I just want to pray with you right now and believe that the process is taking you to a place of purpose. So if that's you tonight, just pop your hand up right where you are. I'm going to, I want to pray for you and then move on and pray for a second group. Is there anyone here tonight just in response to that word? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Yep. Great. You can put your hands down once you put it up. Anyone else? Anyone else here? 12. Yep. God, I just pray for all of us right now 
who are in the middle of process that does nothing but brings tears to our eyes, that seems like it takes the breath out of our lungs, that seems like it's holding us back, process that feels like there's no way out. And I pray that as we leave this week, that you would breathe fresh life into our lungs, that you would help us to hold on to that hope that you promised to us through Jesus. I pray that for all of us, we would have the courage to keep trusting you and to keep taking steps forward, that we would have the audacity to reach out to you in prayer and that we wouldn't be holding on so much to offense and annoyance in the past that we couldn't see where we're going in the future. God, help us all to trust the process. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone just keep your eyes closed again right now. And uh, what I want to do now is I want to pray for anyone who maybe you've never lived with God or you've never put your trust in God. And even hearing stories that I've shared about my walk with God and with my wife and where God took us, listening to the story of where Joseph got taken as he trusted in God and as his destiny was fulfilled. You know, the Bible says that God has plans for each and every person's life. They're unique and they are individual to you. They are unique to your character. They are unique to your calling. And maybe you've never lived with God at the center of your life. And and I want to give you an opportunity right now to start to put your trust in God, to take your hands off the steering wheel and to uh, let God take over. And, you know, I just think that my life has been so much better and I've seen so much more fruit in my life ever since I've been following Jesus because I've seen that following His plan is actually where I'm supposed to go in life. And that's how God created us, to do life with Him. But then every time that I ever took the wheel, I made mistakes. I, I did and said the wrong things. I thought the wrong things. And my life ended up in a bit of a wreck multiple places, multiple times. And I know that that happens for all of us whenever we try and take the steering wheel. But I just love that the Bible talks about what Jesus did for us. The fact that Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross so that we could be reconnected with God, so that we could live our life with God again. And this moment is for you if, you. if you just know that you want to put God at the center of your life, all that it takes is putting a bit of faith in and trust in Him tonight. And uh, so I just want to pray for you again. So if that's you, if you want to put God at the center of your life tonight, would you just raise your hand also? We had 13 people raise their hand before and I want to pray for you tonight. Great. One hand already. Anyone else? You can pop that down. Yep. Anyone else? Maybe you've been lived with God before, but walked away a little bit and you just want to bring God right back to the center. If that's you, pop your hand up and I want to pray for you as well. Great. Thank you. Number two, three. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, God. Anyone else here tonight? There is a there is a purpose that God has placed on your life that He wants to see fulfilled. If you want to start to walk in that, I want to pray for you right now. Anyone else? Just pop your hand up. Sweet. God, I just pray for these three amazing people who are choosing to put you at the center of their life tonight. I pray that as they live out the purpose that you planned out for them, that they would begin to discover your love, that they would begin to discover what it means to follow you and that you'd help them with uh, everything that they're facing this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for those three people? And uh, we're so... I'm always so excited whenever someone makes that conscious decision. That's why I got you to put your hand up. 
so that you make that conscious decision, man, I'm going to put God at the center of my life. And, um, you know, another way that we do that, we're going to pray this prayer. And so if you put your hand up or maybe you want it to, let's all pray this together. We're going to pray it out loud. And uh, hey, just realize that as you say these words, you're saying these words to God. You're putting God back at the center of your life. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Well, James is going to come and explain in just a moment. But as we go out this week, I just really want us to remember in the middle of the pain, the positions that we find ourselves in, man, God has a purpose that He is just waiting to unfold, to hold on. Keep trusting God. Keep believing that He's going to see it unfolded, unfelt in your life. And uh, just keep holding on and He'll pull you through. Thanks, James.